Hello, this is On The Left Side, the alternative football show. I'm Jim. Big news this week for the FA. Parliament have said they're going to have a vote of no confidence in their organisation and the government will decide if the FA is capable of complying with its duties. Order! I don't really know what that means, but I do think it's a bit unfair to suggest a lack of confidence in the FA. I have every confidence in them. I have confidence in them to balls up World Cup bids. I have confidence in them to consistently fine players offensive amounts of money for silly little things whilst completely ignoring the game's big issues. And I have confidence in them to put money ahead of the integrity and history of the game at every available opportunity. So yeah, I'm pretty confident. Anyway, what is coming up on this week's show? We meet a man who hides in bushes, Look at the managers under pressure. <laughs> and the big man passes a big milestone. But first, the clock has ticked. Well, that was disappointing, wasn't it? No Sky Sports News reporters getting attacked outside a club training ground with a large purple sex toy. No disgruntled midfielders driving halfway across the country to complete a non-existent transfer. And no Harry Redknapp hanging out of a car window giving interviews about a potential signing of a Portuguese Division 3 diamond. What is deadline day coming to? There was a time where I'd book deadline day off work. I'd settle down for 24 hours of rolling TV news with nothing but a few mugs of tea, a large packet of hobnobs and an unrealistic level of expectation for company. But those days are long gone. In fact, I think I could probably capture the same excitement of transfer deadline day now by just heading down to my local pub, refusing to order a drink for the whole night and then panic buying a pint of Fosters just before they call time and paying 400 quid for it. The very fact that the majority of the transfer window was spent discussing where Robert Snodgrass may or may not be going says much more than I ever could. Eventually, it was West Ham who won that particular race, having freed up a few million quid with the eventual departing of half-footballer, half-whinging toddler Dimitri Payet. Despite originally saying they were never going to sell the player, the Hammers board realised that that tactic was very similar to buying a soft-top sports car when you live in England. It's a nice idea in a perfect world, but it's just going to lose you a load of money as it sits in the garage whilst it hammers it down outside with rain. And that is a particularly good analogy if the sports car in question is being an absolute tool and refusing to even start its engine when you put the key in the ignition, despite the fact you're spending a fuckload of money on it. What a waste of space and resource. So, the player that was priced at £100 million just last summer was duly sold to Marseille for £25 million, which doesn't seem like a great deal. But maybe they were expecting the taxpayer to pay the rest. You know, like with the Olympic Stadium. Having gone back on their original word, club co-chairman and former fat mag peddlers David Golden Sullivan went on a media rampage to get their side of the story across. First, it was Gold. He went on BT Sport to share his particular feeling of disappointment. That he's let the fans down, he's let the football club down, he's let the manager down, and, and I'm hugely disappointed. That's exactly what politicians say when they're involved in some kind of sex scandal, isn't it? Maybe they should have got Payet standing on the doorstep of his French mansion to give a statement next to his disappointed and dowdy-looking wife as she holds back the tears and wonders how long it is before she can leave him without the press getting a sniff of it. Next, it was Sully's turn, who took to talk sport this time, to bemoan the current transfer window system and the stupid amount of money that was being thrown about in the window. 
both the transfer fees and the wages have gone potty and you think, well, how can very average players be worth 10 and 12 million pounds? What's that, mate? Very average players costing around 10 million quid? Snodgrass has chosen West Ham over Burnley. Both clubs had 10 million pound bids accepted. Well, this is a bit awkward, isn't it? Let's move on. And let's move to Leicester, where you should spare a thought for Leonardo Ujua. Clearly inspired by Dimitri Payet playing hardball, the Leicester City striker thought, I'll have a go at that, and took to Twitter to express his interest in a move away from the East Midlands. I need to feel like a footballer again, he tweeted earlier in the week. But when Claudio Ranieri turned down three separate bids from Sunderland, with David Moyes clearly forgetting that the Argentinian didn't used to play for Everton, he followed it up with another angrier response. I feel betrayed by Ranieri and let down by the club. I will not play again for them. The window shut. He didn't do a payette and get a move. And now he is stuck at a club that he has refused to play for. Feeling like a footballer? Not sure about that. But the whole experience has certainly left you looking like a right dick. This year's January transfer window may well have been a little bit disappointing. Jim White was sat in his ivory Sky Sports tower waiting for one of his countless mobiles to ring and looking like a lost puppy. But maybe he just needed to put a little bit more effort in. The kind of effort that Reading fan Jacob South Klein puts in each year because he is one of the heroes of transfer deadline day and he joins us on, on the left side. Hello, Jacob. Hello, Jim. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming on. So tell the world exactly how you spent the final day of the January transfer window. Well, it's a bit of a hard sell, but I um, undertake a venture every seven months, um, so twice a year, which is a bush watch, what is essentially me lurking in a bush outside the Medeci Stadium, so Reading's <laughs> home ground, for 14 hours on end, watching the people go by and hoping to uh, spot a incoming transfer or two. You say you do this for every window. How long now? How many windows has it been? This window just gone. That's the third year in a row I've done it. So I wow. started in uh, August 2014. Still at school, actually. So very unemployed, very bored, kind of disillusioned by the lack of national press attention Reading were getting on deadline day. So to cut out the middle, man, I thought I'd go down and see what was happening for myself. Um, here I am three years on, still trying to be the first to break the news for Reading fans. Wow, so you've got a little niche for yourself there. Why a bush? Yeah. Why did you feel like you needed to hide the bush for it? When I first went down to the, the ground on deadline day, so at first I had to be a bit... Uh, I mean, the club have sort of welcomed me with open arms now, but back in back in the day, they they never used to um, appreciate me. Typical me football clubs, so they I, wait for something to get big yeah, and then they jump exactly, on board. Exactly. So I sort of had to make do with hiding in the undergrowth, quite literally, because wow. if, you, if, you're, if you're out and exposed, then they sort of chase you off with a stick. Is it, um, is it the same bush every year or is it... Do you like yeah, use different um, bushes throughout the day? I used to do like a quick lap before I started to see if there was like a suitable bush to lurk in, but um, <laughs> it has now become like the the, the, the same the same bush. So I'd like to think that in years to come they're going to put up a plaque or a statue or something. But uh, I think it's wishful thinking. What um, makes a good lurking bush? What are you looking for? Uh, you want to have um, sort of dense leafage cover from about the waist downwards, and uh, it's difficult because. Um, if the conditions are like what they were this year, um, it can be a bit damp and soggy. So um, you've got to be able to sort of easily squat without um, compromising right. yourself. So, you know, it's serious business, you know, picking the, the optimum bush for the job. As you say, 
it was a bit damp and soggy this year. There must be times over those 14 or so hours when it's transfer deadline day that you're tempted to jack it in and go home, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, I think last August was a total non-event. Mm. And yet that's uh, sort of counterbalanced by, well, the generosity of others. It's, I love the, what, one of my most favourite parts of it is... Um, the fact that the people run me down food, coffee. Really? Um, yeah. Just I know, bring you yeah. gifts. They do. I think I managed to cash in on about six free coffees this year. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, yeah, so I was buzzing. I was, I was on a real caffeine high. It's great. Just the people you meet. Obviously, you get some people who are very wary. Well, wary of a man hiding in a bush. <laughs> why, why, would, why would they possibly yeah, be know, cautious of that? I know, I, unbelievable, yeah. I mean, it, you can't really understand it, can you? <laughs> um, but other people love it. Other, other people think it's absolutely brilliant. No, it's it, utterly bonkers, utterly wow. mental. It feels like it's kind of accelerated this year, and partly because of the business of Reading have done, and it's obviously yeah. bedded in over the last three years. You've had a good year of it. I can see Bushwatch taking off all over the country, maybe some franchises. What advice would you give to any bush watchers that wanted to take up the mantle in different cities? I know it doesn't sound like a lot lurking in a bush for 14 hours, but really it's it's as much a mental marathon as a physical one. I think you've got to love your club. You've got to have some money in the bank to pay your bail if you do get get done (laughs) in for trespassing. Um, And really, other than that, you just need to to have um, a bit of a screw loose a suitable mobile phone with a camera and um, some some time on your hands. It really is amazing what is possible through the power of social media and also the power of human generosity. And when it all comes together like it did this year, you know, and your club does a bit of business, then um, you get a, a result like we had on Tuesday. Jacob, I absolutely love your passion. I absolutely love Bushwatch. And it's people like you that actually brought a bit of light to this year's transfer window so uh, thank you very much for coming on on the left side and long live Bushwatch thank you it's getting to the pointy end of the season and the pressure is starting to show on the managers battling it out for those Champions League spots Manchester United are currently outside those coveted positions and that wasn't helped by the club's midweek draw with Hull City which left manager Jose Mourinho clearly unhappy. He claimed that the ref should have given more decisions in favour of his team, and he was not in the mood to elaborate. What particularly did you feel that the referee should have pulled them up on that? Well, if you don't know football, you shouldn't be with the microphone in your hand. That's like going to a doctor's and getting in a strop when he asks you what the problem is. Ah, Mr Salverson, now what seems to be the problem? Oh, I paid my taxes. You're the one getting paid as a professional with your years of experience. You tell me where it hurts. He hadn't even calmed down by the time he got to the press conference where he claimed he was being treated unfairly by, well, everyone, after he was told to shut up, sit down or get sent to the stands. You know clearly that I am different. The rules for me are different. Yep, for anyone keeping count, that was Jose Mourinho's weekly pop clop, a little snide remark aimed at everyone's favourite affable German, Jürgen Klopp, who almost got himself in hot water after shouting in the fourth official's face after keeper Simon Mignolet saved a penalty to earn his team a midweek point against Chelsea. Klopp was, however, quick to apologise and even came out after the game to reveal what it was that he shouted. What was I said? Nobody can beat us. That's the kind of statement you need to be careful if you're shouting it in a German accent, isn't it? Firstly, if you're a long-time listener of On The Left Side, you will know about my theory that Jurgen Klopp is in fact an evil Bond villain. Well, shouting things like, No one can beat us! 
does not dispel that idea in any way. It's exactly the kind of thing that a Bond villain would shout in the middle of an epic battle, moments before his secret hollowed out volcano base was blown into the sky. Secondly, well, it's not really true, is it? A more accurate statement would have been, No one can beat us! Apart from Wolves and Southampton and Swansea and Southampton again and Burnley. But I guess that wouldn't have quite the same impact, would it? But what about the other under-pressure manager? It's Pep Guardiola that I'm really worried about. The Spanish boss has the weight of performance on his shoulders like never before at Manchester City, and the cracks are starting to show. His team may have pulled off some spectacular wins recently, but the pressure is taking its toll. He was talking about his new superstar South American, Gabriel Jesus, and he was full of praise, I think. I mean, it was actually quite difficult to tell. It's like a watermelon. You have to open and see if it's good or not, so... Yeah, I get you. Just like a watermelon, yeah. You're like big and green and full of black pips. If you fill it with vodka or rum, you've got a delicious summer... No, no, no. No, I don't get it. However, in principle, I think it kind of works. Comparing a footballer to a fruit, you can make some great comparisons. Dimitri Payet, he's like a banana. If you put him in a fruit bowl, it's in danger of making all the other fruit go bad. And Luis Suarez, he's like a lemon. Clearly very bitter, he's got a sharp bite, and he's much more at home in the Mediterranean. And what about Wayne Rooney? Well, he's a kiwi fruit. I'm sure it's got loads of great qualities, but you can't quite get over how weird it looks with all that hair on it. And finally, this week, the man whose name is impossible to say without adding good feet for a big man passed the career milestone. Peter, good feet for a big man Crouch, notched up an impressive 100 Premier League goals and fair play to him. The half-striker, half-beanpole joined a group of just 26 other players who have managed to bag a tonne with a goal against Everton. But good old Pete was more worried about what he did after his goal than the goal itself. How much have you been practising that robot celebration this week in, in anticipation of the uh, the big moment? Not, not enough by the looks of it. Um, it was a little bit stiff. It's been I think, just, uh, over 10 years, so I don't do it every day, let me say that. This just confirms what we all know already. Peter Crouch is an underrated footballer. Not so much on the pitch, but on board the good old banter bus. Ha ha! He's had some great hashtag banter moments. When a reporter asked him back in the day what he'd be if he wasn't a footballer, he replied, a virgin. He poured scorn on FIFA corruption scandal by claiming, I knew there was problems with decision-making at FIFA when I didn't make the Ballon d'Or shortlist. Beautiful. And when a fan tweeted in to let him know that he was ruining his life on FIFA 17, he hit back by tweeting, At least I'm getting a game somewhere. Thumbs up. Good work. Even boss Mark Hughes enjoyed that one. Pete's quite, uh, quite sharp on, on Twitter, so I always keep a lookout. Quite amusing. Yeah, clearly Hughesy can't stop laughing. Peter Crouch, centurion goalscorer, comedy genius and legend. Mark my words, it won't be long before he follows Lampard and hangs up his boots and moves into the next stage of his career. And we'll see him busting some even more impressive moves on the new series of Strictly Come Dancing. Right, that's it for another episode of On The Left Side. Thanks for coming to play. Don't forget to check out our Twitter account at On The Left Side and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get next week's episode for free straight into your podcasty inbox thing. Do it! Right, I'm off to hide in the bush and try and not get arrested because that's full time. Bye!
On the left side is a Paint Your Headphones production for Abrupt Audio.